brother and, and, and his dad said, wait a second. He said, come here for a second. He reached over and he felt the, the, hand, the, the wool that was on his arm. And he said, well, you feel like your brother, but you sound like, or you, 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 you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And, and Jacob said, oh, no, no, it's, uh, me. it's me. Yeah, it's me. And, uh, you know, and that was, and, and he, he lied and, and, and ultimately it worked out to where he received the blessing from his father. Well, when Esau got back, he was furious. In fact, he was so mad that he looked to kill his brother, and, and Rebecca knew this, and so she devised a plan. She said, listen, you need to go, and you need to go to my, 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 my brother's house. You need to go over to Laban's, and you need to go spend time with him until your brother calms down a little bit. And, and with the rage and the fury in his heart that Esau had, he said, said Jacob, you need to go and hide yourself. And, and Esau was furious. And he's, he realized all these things. And I mean, really, you look at it, everything that took place, and really got the short end of the deal in all of this. I mean, it was really, Esau wasn't doing necessarily anything wrong as all of this was happened. But we see at that moment that he was angry, furious, and, and he sought to rebel against his parents. And in chapter number 28 of Genesis, in verse 6, the Bible says, When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, sent him away to, to Paddan Aram, and, and it, to take him a wife from thence, that he blessed him, he gave him charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. So, so we, we see that, that Isaac looked at his son Jacob and said, Listen, you don't go marry somebody from Canaan. You need to, to marry somebody from, from our own lineage, from our own, uh, own, own uh, side that, that God has blessed. And Jacob obeyed Father's mother, he went down there, and, and Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac, his father, he went, Esau, unto Ishmael, and took unto him the wives, which he had Mehaloth, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. So Esau, in his fury and his anger, he's, he's so angry by the deception that he's had to go through by the by the the stealing of his 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 uh, the the blessing from his father he's he's furious about this and he's looking for a way how can i get back at mom and dad for what happened to me and he hears oh dad said he doesn't want us to marry one of the daughters of the canaanites they're the enemies of god they're the people that are against god and he said okay if that's what they don't want me to do, that's exactly what I'm going to do. He went over and took a wife of the Canaanites. That lineage, that lineage that came from that decision, Esau's decision, that is the lineage who Obadiah was writing to. We see that in verse number 1. The Bible says, The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God, concerning Edom. Edom, that was Esau's lineage. We have heard a rumor from the Lord, an ambassador sent among the heathen, arise ye and let him rise up and against her in battle. Here, Obadiah now is, is writing in the scriptures to, to this group, to this, this, this people. He's writing to the Edomites. In fact, as you read through these, these minor prophets, you'll remember that most of these books are written to either the northern tribe of Israel or the southern tribe of Israel. Further along, the northern tribe was destroyed by the Assyrians, and so it was just the southern tribe that often was called Judah that was left. That was all that, was, that remained. And so most of the books that we read are written to Judah or they're written to Israel, except for two of them. One of them was Nineveh that was written to by Jonah, and the other one was Edom, the Edomites, written to by Obadiah. 
Many believe that Obadiah wrote this book sometime around 580 B.C., probably a contemporary of Elisha and Elijah in First and Second Kings. Now this book, Obadiah, is the shortest book in the Old Testament, so naturally that would make this the shortest message that I'll preach, um, and that's probably a lie. But uh, that's, that's what it is. It's the shortest, shortest book in the Old Testament, 21 verses long. So if you're looking for a book that you can check off the mark and get through real quick, Obadiah is your one, okay? And so here we are. We find ourselves in, in Obadiah. And, and while the question of exactly when he wrote it, the, there's some, some question about it. There's no question who he wrote to. He wrote to Edom, the descendants of Esau, a people that became the enemy of God's people. Through the centuries, they had sought to destroy the 12 tribes of Israel. They stood against them at every opportunity. And this, this reality passed down through the, the generations. In fact, there's a very familiar Edomite. He, the name changed just a little bit. The, the name of the country changed just a little bit. But, but there's a very famous Edomite uh, lineage, from, from that lineage that we would recognize. His name was Herod the Great. Herod the Great, who in fact was the one when the wise men came to him and said, we saw a star in the east, that he commanded all babies two years and under to be killed because he tried to kill the Messiah, the lineage of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. More than any other nation mentioned in the Old Testament, is condemned and is the subject of God's wrath more than any other. At the time of Obadiah's writing, Edom believed themselves to be a nation that was impenetrable. They thought there was no way that any other country could overcome them. There was no way that anybody could, could, could achieve victory against them. Their home was found in the mountains where the peaks uh, at that place were, were above uh, upwards of 5,700 feet. Now, I know we live in Montana in the Rocky Mountains. It's not that big of a deal out here. But over there, that was a big deal. I mean, they were encapsulated in this area where it seemed like there was no way. They had the high ground. No way anybody could overcome them. The city of Petra was found in this place, this stone city that was carved into the rocks. I mean, it was such a unique place. And because of their strategic location, they believed they were untouchable, indestructible. But while they felt untouchable by the surrounding nation, there was one whose wrath they could not and would not escape. And that one is God. The reason for God's judgment is clear. Edom had a problem. And we're going to see that this morning. Edom had a problem. It was a big problem. And we see what that problem was down in verse number three. The Bible says this, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. See, thou dwellest in the clefts of the rock whose habitation is high. That saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? <laughs> oh, though thou exalt thyself as the eagle... Though thou set thy nest among the stars, God says, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. See, in their pride, the Edomites proclaimed from their mountain habitation, who's going to bring us down? Who can destroy us? Well, God had an answer. I will. 
You would have thought that Captain Edward John Smith would have taken lessons from the Edomites. I mean, he could have learned something from them. It was he who, who stood there and with the newly built ship in front of him proclaimed, even God couldn't sink this ship. And in 1912, that ship, the Titanic, sank. To the, the root of their boasting of both Captain Edward Smith and those at Eden is, is very clear. It's found in verse number 3. The pride of thine heart. Pride. Pride's a devastating sin. One that the Bible has much to say about. Proverbs chapter number 6 tells us this in verse number 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. The very first one, a proud look. Do you know what the Bible tells us? It tells us this. Only by pride cometh contention. You know what that means? Any fighting, any, any resistance, any, any problems that you have one against another in your marriage or with your kids or, or in the church or at your job or, or any place. Anytime you have the, the, the fighting with one another, he says, you know where it stems from? I'll tell you where it's from. It's not humility. It's from, from pride. And God hates pride. It was the very sin that led to the fall of Lucifer himself. And it's broken down for us in the book of Isaiah. In verse number, chapter number 14, he goes on. He says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, uh, thou son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, now look at what he said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, the, the, the other angels. I will sit upon the, the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. It was pride that led to the fall of Lucifer. It was the pride that led the fall of mankind. Genesis, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the midst of the garden, he said, she said there, Listen, uh, listen, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, by the way, lest ye die. The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, oh, your eyes will be opened. And here was the greatest temptation of all. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Oh, be just like God. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof to eat and gave to her husband he did eat as well. See, pride will always lie in two ways. It will always lie about you, and it will always lie about God. Every time. It will lie about you, and it will lie about God. And the Edomites had fallen to both lies. We are unstoppable, they thought. Not even God could bring us down. And unfortunately, friend, many of us to this morning. 
No, 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 you're not being lied to by your spouse, okay? We're not trying to, like, you know, we're not trying to make some TV show out of the service this morning, okay? We're not, no, nobody's going to come busting through the door here this morning. And by the way, uh, we, uh, we brought somebody in this morning. That's it, you know, everybody, oh, okay, you know, no, we're not going to be doing that, okay? We're, we're not talking about lying to your spouse, okay? Uh, not, you're not being lied to by this preacher, hopefully, this morning. I, I've heard preachers that have stood up before, and, uh, and, and, and they'll be preaching, and, and in the middle of their message, they'll say this, what I'm about to tell you is the truth. <laughs> and I don't know if I know what they're trying to say, but in my mind, like my mind goes to, well, what have you been doing this whole time? You know, I mean, what's going on here? Okay. So listen, what I'm about to tell you this morning, it's the truth. Okay. No, listen, uh, listen, this, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you this morning. The best of my ability, I'm going to try not to. No, no, it's not that you're being lied to by, by, by somebody else. No, the truth is, as many of us are being lied to by ourselves, by ourselves. See, the Edomites believed their security was in where they lived. They lifted themselves up. They exalted themselves. Look at what we have done. Look at what we have built. Look at us. And they were deceived by themselves. And it could be this morning that you're deceiving yourself as well. There may be somebody here this morning that you're deceived about your eternity. Your eternity. That you believe that because of something that you have done, that you can get your place in heaven. Oh yeah, Kyle. You know what? One of these days, hey, listen. One of these days, I'm just when we all get to heaven. You know, it's going to be a, a wonderful thing, and and I just can't wait to get there and and uh, and just see all the lights and the golden and and all these different stuff. But listen, listen, listen. How are you getting there? I mean, how are you getting there? That's important. Like, listen, if I told you, listen, I just can't wait to get to Hawaii. I just can't wait to get there. It's going to be so great. You say, Kyle, how are you going to get there? I don't know. I think I'm just going to wake up one day and I'll just be there. You know, I mean, like, you'd look at me and be like, something's not, there's a screw loose or two, all right? I mean, like, that's what you would think. Hey, listen, so many people, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get to heaven one day. How are you going to get there? Well, you know, I just think it's all going to work out. I mean, you wouldn't believe that for Hawaii. I mean, heaven, I mean, come on. <laughs> Some people got it figured out their own way. Well, you know, Kyle, here's, here's what I figured out. I figured out that I could just be a good person. You know, and, and listen, I'm in church this morning, or I'm watching church online, and, and, I, and I do good things, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I help people, and, and I give money to charities, and, and I was, you know, I was baptized in a, in a church, and I, I do all these things, and I just think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, on the big scale, you know, God, God, God's got his big scale, and one day, my good is just going to outweigh my bad, and God's going to say, you know what, yep, you're good enough, you can get to heaven. Here's the problem. The Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. <laughs> and all of your righteousnesses, your good works, are but filthy rags? Oh, that's not good. No, listen, he's not saying that your good things are bad. What he's saying is that if you're trusting in your good things to get you there, it ain't going to happen. The Bible tells us something interesting in Ephesians chapter number 2. If you, if you flip over there, if you look there in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter number two, verse number eight, the Bible says this, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, okay? It's the gift of God. Lest any man, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what he's saying there? He says, listen, he says, you think you can do it on your own, but he says, the way to heaven, it's a gift. It's not by what you can do. 
He clears it up even a little bit more in, in Titus chapter number 3, verse number 5. He, he says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy saved us. By the washing, regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus made it real clear in his life in John chapter number 14. He had his, the disciples around there, and he said, listen. Uh, in fact, uh, Thomas comes to him and says, Lord, how do we know the way? How are we going to get to heaven on our own? How is that going to, how is it all going to work? In John chapter number 14, Jesus, that's the passage what we always hear at funerals, where, where Jesus says, listen, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and, and, uh, and you know, I'm going to heaven. And, and Thomas says, Lord, how can we get there? How do we know the way? And Jesus, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, friend, there's only one way to get to heaven, and it isn't by any good work that you can do. It is only through Jesus. By the way, that's not Jesus plus anything. Oh, I've, I've met a number of people, especially here recently, it seems like, who said, you know what, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, and you know, I just know because I believe in Jesus, and I go to church, and I was baptized, and oh, hold on a second. <laughs> he says it's all or nothing. It's either grace or it's works. And he says if it's by your works, then that means, okay, listen, all right, here's what you have to do. You just have to be perfect, okay? That's all, okay? If you could just be perfect. Never sin, ever, from the time you're, you're a baby all the way until, if you never sin, then, okay, then your works will work. But otherwise, there's, there's option number two, okay? Jesus, and just Jesus, and only Jesus. And friend, if you're trusting in Jesus plus anything else, you're missing the boat. There's only one right answer. There's only one way to eternity with God. And according to the scriptures, it's through Jesus Christ. Kyle, how do I do it? The Bible tells us that I believe in my heart that if I confess with my mouth, again, that's what makes all the difference in the world. He's not still in the grave. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth in the righteous, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, the Bible says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You might be here this morning. Can I tell you this? There are so many people that are going to spend eternity in hell because their pride tells them, I'll figure it out. I got this. All the while, Jesus is saying, I died for you. And all you have to do is stop trusting in what you can do, pride, and trust in me and me alone. Friend, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, don't let your pride spend to an eternity in a lake of fire. Don't let your pride send you to an eternity in hell. There's some in this room that could be deceived through their pride about your security. Your security. Not just your eternity, but your security. You see, the Edomites, they believed they were untouchable because of the mountain that surrounded them. But they discovered they were only as secure as God allowed them to, to be. There in verse number four, we saw it. He said, though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. He says, you think your, your security is in where you live and your mountains and what you have built up around you, your walls and your fences. He said, you think that's going to protect you. 
But he says, you don't got a chance whenever I say enough's enough. When my judgment may come. You know, there's some in this room that they find their security in a multitude of things. Some find their security in their finances. As long as there's enough money in the bank and, and, and they can pay for their bills and, and they can drive a decent car and, and they've got enough to go out to eat every once in a while and after church on Sunday, you know, as long as they've got, got enough of that, then listen, as long as they have, then they're good to go and their security is in the finances that they've accumulated. Some are, are, find their security in their, in their families. Families got got good health, and, and everybody's getting along, and, and their spouse is always there for you, and, and they're faithful, and, and everything's good that way, and you find your security there. Some find security in their plans. Listen, I'm not a planner. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to become a planner. My wife is a planner. I mean, like she is the very definition of planner. And, uh, you know, she, if she was in here today, she'd be sitting there probably right now writing down what I needed to do better about, you know, in this message. Right? No, no, I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. But, but you know, she, she'd, be, she'd be planning things, all right? She's a planner. Uh, there's some in this room that you're a planner. And as long as things are going according to your plans, everything's good. <sighs> Security. But what happens whenever there's a bill that comes and you don't have the finances? What happens when there's a phone call and, and there's a health scare in your family? Or, or maybe you find out that, uh, about your spouse that, that they weren't the, the perfect one that you thought they were when you first started dating, right? You know, uh, what, 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 what happens then? What, what happens whenever your plans that you had figured out and you've got your, your one-year and your five-year and your ten-year plan all planned out and you've got all, everything ready to go and everything's going to go according to plan and everything's going to be perfect and then all of a sudden there's this big old wrench that gets thrown into your life and all of a sudden your plans spiral out of control and your pride has deceived you about your security and suddenly you discover that everything that made you feel so safe so secure could disappear in just a moment say I don't believe that can happen ask Job I mean Job was the Bible tells us that he was a perfect man. I mean, that means he, was, he was honoring to God. He eschewed evil. He ran from evil. I, I, we've shared it before. It's, it's astounding to me. He would pray for his kids just in case any of them had sinned against God in their heart because outwardly everything looked good. I mean, like, not only was Joe right with God, Joe right with God, his own family looked right with God. I mean, everything looked perfect. And, and in a matter of moments, boom, it was all gone. He lost everything. Finances, security, family, plans, everything. It was gone in a matter of moments. You don't believe it can happen? Just ask the disciples. Followed Jesus for three and a half years. This guy was unbeatable. The smartest guys in the land, the Pharisees, came, the scribes, they came and they tried to trip up Jesus and they walked away with a big pouty lip because Jesus, I mean, absolutely destroyed him. I mean, Jesus was untouchable. I mean, he could do miracles, the impossible. It was unbelievable. And all of a sudden, he's being led away in chains. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. This isn't the way that I thought things were going to go. This isn't the way that, that, they, that they had planned. Jesus was supposed to come in, overthrow the government, set up his kingdom. The disciples were going to sit down next to him. That's why they were constantly talking amongst themselves. Hey, who's going to sit next to Jesus at the kingdom? You know, is it going to be you? Who's going to be the greatest? You know, who's it going to be? You know, they're going back and forth amongst each other. 
because they believed that Jesus was going to set up his earthly kingdom. And now he's being led away in chains. And we give Peter a really hard time. Because there he is, he's by the fire that night, and, and he's asked, hey, aren't you one of those guys that was with him? And Peter's like, ooh, not me. No, I know that we saw you. No, 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 it's not me. Last one comes and says, listen, I know your speech, the way that you talk, I can tell. He says, listen, I swear. If there was a Bible, I swear. It wasn't me. And man, we give Peter a hard time. We look at him, we're like, what? What in the world? Because just a few hours before, in, in verse number 35 of Matthew 26, Peter said, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And, and all, like we said, all the disciples... They're there whenever they, they, they come to take Jesus and, and Peter pulls out the sword and swings it and he's aiming for the head, but he was terrible with the sword. He's a fisherman, you know. He swung that thing, cut off the guy's ear. Jesus is like, Peter, put that away, man. You're gonna get yourself killed, all right? I mean, like, you, you know what you're doing. And all of a sudden, when he couldn't see Jesus, because of the situations and circumstances around him, security was gone, his friends were gone. He was lost. And in fear, he says, I don't even know Jesus. You know, the truth is, Christians are good at acting like Christians when everything's going well. But when your security gets upended and, and now you're having a hard time seeing God in your situation, often it's the Christians who start acting like they don't even know Jesus. Oh, we're so good at criticizing who was on the mountaintop. And his whole life got turned upside down. In ministry. He said, Kyle, you know, I think I fell more in love with ministry than I did the Lord. Pride. I got it figured out. Talked to another guy just this week. Ministry. He said, Kyle, he said, everything's going great. My family's going, doing well. So he said, the church is going great. Everything's going great. He said, Kyle, I can't describe it. I don't understand it. But I just feel so discouraged. Depressed. Empty. Because even those in ministry and Christians, and listen, we're not, we're not talking about out in the world today those that, that don't have the hope that, of the word of God. We're talking about those in this room that can find themselves in this deep, dark hole because their pride and their confidence was in all that they have created around them. Their security and their health and their family and their finances and, and all this stuff and all of a sudden things get turned upside down. I just don't even know what to do. And we've allowed our pride to depend on a security that never should have been our security. Some are being lied to about their eternity. 
Some are lying to themselves about their security. Some are lying to themselves about their abilities. You know, Obadiah said to the people of Edom that they exalted themselves. Hey, look at what we've done. Look at what we built. Look at our castle. Look at our kingdom. Look at our nation. Look at us. Nobody can touch us. And it's so easy to fall into that trap in your own life. To to believe that there's something that we have done today that has gotten us where we're at. (laughs) Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've built. Look at my family. Look at everything. Listen, friend, if you think it's something that you have done outside of the grace of God, you're deceiving yourself. Lying to yourself. Pride is controlling. See, it was the grace of God that allowed you to be born in the country that you're born in with the freedoms that you're able to enjoy each and every day. It's, it's the grace of God that enables you to wake up every morning to breathe another breath. It's the grace of God that you have the abilities that you have today. And we spend all our lives saying, look at me and what I can do. And God says, but what happens when that's taken away? All of a sudden, our identity that was wrapped up in who we were and what we could do is gone. What then? See, if it wasn't for the grace of God, you and I would be broken without hope. Listen, we we love Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but you know there's verses that come before that? It's kind of crazy, right? Ephesians chapter number 2, the Bible says this. This is cool. In verse number 1, he says this, And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. All right? He says, listen, that's who you were. You were dead. There was no way you could get out of it yourself. But Jesus Christ saved you. If you know Christ is your Savior, where in time past, listen, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He said, that's how you used to live. That's the way, the path that you were on, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. Our life was like that, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. He says, listen, that's who you were. That's who I was. That's who we all were. We were doing our own thing, living our own life the way that we wanted to, left to ourselves. That's what we would have. We would have led our life to destruction. But verse number four, but God, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He says, listen, you know that life that you're living? You didn't build it yourself. He says, listen, it's by the grace of God that you are who you are today. By the grace of God, you live the life that you live today. And listen, friend, if we're getting caught up in our pride and think we've done something, oh, just like Edom, just wait because you can mark it down. God has a way of allowing us to get knocked off that pedestal so that we'll remember who we are and who he is. It's by God's grace that you're saved. It's by God's grace and power that you're enabled. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Listen, it can be so easy 
for us to break our arm trying to reach around and pat ourselves on our back. I'm just telling you. Can I remind you who gets all the glory for everything that happens in your life? It ought to be God. Friend, I'm so excited what God is doing here at Whitehall Baptist Church. It's great. Listen, I, I love the summertime, and I, but I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I look forward to fall coming back around. Why? Because it's great to have my friends back, all right? You know, so many of you. It's been a while, okay? I'm glad that you're back, all right? No, uh, but, but it's just the reality. Where, where we live and things are happening, people have life going on, and people are camping, and people are enjoying the summertime because we enjoy both days of summer in Montana. And it's, it's a great thing. And uh, we, we, we live here, and we enjoy it, and it's just, it is what it is. It's the culture that we're in. But listen, friend, it's exciting when people come back to church. It's a great thing. It's exciting when we have things going on in the church with the kids program over here with Ioana and all the stuff that's going to be happening. That's exciting. It's a great thing. But can I remind you who gets all the glory for anything good that happens at this church? It ain't this preacher. Oh, Lord knows it ain't this preacher. Listen, it's him. It's all about him. It always has been and always will be. And as soon as it stops being all about him, can I tell you what's going to happen? God's going to say, okay, boom. And listen, the pedestal, you're going to get knocked right off. Can I remind you, gets all the praise and the glory for anything that ever happens in the future of Whitehall Baptist Church? It's God. Oh, listen, friend, I hope everybody in the... No, I, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, I hope everybody gets dementia. I don't want you to get dementia, okay? I hope, but I, I do hope this. I hope down the road... You look back, and I hope what, what's said is not look at, man, I'm so thankful when Kyle was there and this and this and this. No, no, I hope we can look back and say, man, look at what God did. Look at what God did. God and his goodness and his grace, look at what he did. The people that we saw saved, and the lives that we saw changed, and the miracles that we saw happen. Listen, it was all God. All God. And can I remind you who deserves all the praise, honor, and the glory for anything good that happens in your life? It's all about him. So often in our pride, it'll cause us to lie to ourselves, think we're something, and to lie about who God is. And it all happens when we make our life about the center of pride, when we make it all about I, me. See, the problem with pride, it's all about me. Now, as we wrap up this morning, I want us to see this. The focus of where our attention should be. We can go through the, the, the book of Obadiah, and I'd encourage you to do this later as he goes through and he forecasts the coming destruction that Edom would endure, that the Edomites would suffer, and he goes through and, and talks about this, and while they were out of their country that they had built, God shows them that, that their pride was going to lead to destruction, and that's exactly what would happen. And listen, it will happen one day when Christ returns at the second coming. You mark it down. Edom is one of the nations that rises up against the Lord, and, and he wipes him off the face of the earth. But in the midst of the coming destruction, Obadiah gives a glimpse of hope. He turns the att attention of the reader to where we will We'll finish up this morning where our attention should be all along. Verse number 17. He says this, But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their land. The house of J Jacob shall be a fire. The house of Joseph a flame. The house of Esau, stubble. They shall kindle in them, devour them. There shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. For the Lord hath spoken it. You know what he's saying there? 
He says in the midst of all the destruction, in the midst of their pride and all these different stuff, he says, listen, let me tell you where the attention should have been turned all along. They were confident themselves, what they could accomplish and what they had built. But he said, let me tell you where their confidence should have been. It should have been over there upon Mount Zion. By the way, you know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the day when there would be one that would come called the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the deliverer that would offer deliverance. One who was coming, who would restore the split nation of Israel and Judah. That's what he's talking about when he talks about the house of Jacob and the house of Joseph. He says, listen, these countries that were divided, he said, I'm going to bring them back together, and then I'm going to wipe off the enemies from off the map. One who was coming, who was going to give back Israel their land. One who was coming, who was going to set all things right, even with the enemies of God and his people. And that one that was coming was Jesus. That is who... He's referring to in verse number 17. And you know what will help you and me keep our pride in check? If we just stop focusing on me and you and turn our attention to Jesus. It doesn't take long when you turn your focus to Jesus before you see what he spent his earthly ministry doing. He spent his earthly ministry serving. Matthew 20, verses 28, it says this, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. He wasn't looking to be served, no, no, no. But to minister and give his life a ransom for many. That's why in Philippians 2, 4, he says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What was he saying? He said, listen, live your life not for yourself. Live your life for God, serving other people. Can I tell you what's going to take this church to the next level? What's going to take Whitehall Baptist Church and just, I mean, we're, we're going to see God bless in unbelievable, incredible ways. You know what it's going to be? When we choose to be the greatest servants. To serve one another. Listen, listen, listen. To serve our community. To serve those that come in the doors of our church but to serve those that are outside the doors of our church. That's when we'll see God bless in ways that we couldn't even imagine. When we decide to stop putting me first and start serving Christ by serving others. You know, it's interesting, each week as we walk through these minor prophets, I've, I've strove to, to share what the names of the writers mean. And it's kind of funny because usually it's, it's something that I forget about. <laughs> and usually as I'm preparing the message, it's always like the last thing that comes back. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to do that. And it's always amazing to me how the, 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 the author of the book and the meaning of their name, how it ties right back in to everything that we just talked about. Obadiah, this should come to no, as no surprise. God knew it all along. Obadiah's name means servant of the Lord. Servant of God. Friend, as you remember this short book in the Old Testament, I hope you'll remember that the writer of it wanted us to know it wasn't about him. It was all about the Lord and serving him. Edom was blinded by its pride and it led to their destruction, but Obadiah turned our attention to where it should have been all along. He turned it to the Lord. And now may we, like him, choose to be servants of the one who was the greatest servant to ever live. And I hope this morning we'll ask the Lord to examine our hearts 
God, pull out any pride that's in me. And God, make me a servant for you. Let's have heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the book of Obadiah that we've had to look at this morning. And I just pray, God, that you would use the scriptures to minister to our hearts. God, I pray that if somebody's here this morning, they don't know you as their personal savior. God, I pray they get that settled right where they're at this morning, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and God, get it nailed down so that they can know for sure they're gonna spend eternity in heaven. And God, I pray for the others, Lord, that are here, that maybe they do have that nailed down. God, you know that pride is a sin that we all struggle with. If anybody in this room, Lord, says they don't struggle with pride, it's because of their pride. (laughs) Lord, I pray that we'd humble ourselves before you, submit ourselves to you, and then God, allow you to fill us so that we can serve others for you. Thank you, God, for what you're gonna do. Pray in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, the music's going to play. Let's stand together. If God's spoken to your heart this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to spend some time just talking to him. Friend, it's not about making decisions for a preacher. It's not making decisions for your, your spouse or for your family. This is about making decisions between you and the Lord. This morning, maybe God spoke to your heart about pride. Now, let's just be honest Your pride is going to tell you you don't need to respond. (laughs) Your pride is going to tell you that you're fine. Your pride is going to tell you that you don't need to humble yourself. God says that we're supposed to humble ourselves. So who are you going to listen to this morning? Are you going to listen to your pride or are you going to listen to the Lord? choice is up to you. Hope this morning that we'll see The end of pride is always destruction. But oftentimes the end of subjecting ourselves to the Lord and submitting to Him, oftentimes it's glory for God. Hope this morning that you'll make that decision. Lord, help me not by my pride. Help me submit to you. Isaac's going to come and lead us in that song. I hope that you'll sing it out from your heart this morning. Isaac, you come.